It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly and their dog Ninja. Are you ready to get your hillbilly on? This is Diane. And this is Denise of the History Goes Bump podcast. And you're listening to our good friends, Tracy and Jerry Pauly on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Welcome, everybody, back to episode 48 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. Hey, guys. This is Tracy. And we're going to start off tonight with uh, an announcement. We were supposed to have uh, Archbishop James Long on. He's the exorcist demonologist. Unfortunately, he is also a a priest over his uh, church, and he has other responsibilities, and, and he happened to have, right at the time for the interview today, was an emergency of a fatal car accident and he had to run out to that and obviously that takes precedence uh so i completely understand but we're re- we'll reschedule him for another day we just didn't have time to be able to to get him on before this uh because we were already cutting it short to begin with but uh, hopefully the people he had to go see are in, uh, yeah. okay and our thoughts and prayers are with him also uh thoughts and prayers to my sister who had an accident yesterday uh won't go into any details but uh she could really use any good vibes you can send her away yep for sure Shout-outs to our military and civil servants all around the world. No matter what country you're in, we uh, love you guys, and we thank you guys. Yeah, God bless you guys. All right, we had a bunch of good iTunes reviews again last week. We did. And before I get to those, I do want to say that this show is going to be a pretty intense show. Um, I know we have a lot of fun, and we'll still have fun with it, but this is a pretty serious pretty show when we start talking about um, Annalise Michelle and the whole situation involving her. Uh, so just, you know, we don't do a whole lot of the real serious ones, but I think this one's going to probably turn out to be one of those. But it's a fascinating story, and it's tons of details. I know um, I try to keep track of all the pages of notes I, I do, and this was right up here in probably the top two or three with the most notes that I've had. So uh, a lot of work went into this show. So let's do our iTunes shout-outs real, real quick. Tiger Lily Martinez. That's delightful. That's actually a name that's not – I wouldn't say Tiger Martinez was – delightful but that was well too. i bet she is delightful was, <laughs> heck yeah but that was a whole different one that's the life what's actually a podcast uh it's a pretty cool podcast out yes. there it's kind of um, a little political um but it's also fun so it's not your typical political stuff like mm-hmm. they were one of the episodes uh they were actually talking about oh, what was it uh vaccinations and mm-hmm. whether whether you should get vaccinated and how there's this big thing going on where people are saying they don't want to vaccinate their kids and all so it's not your political like everything's not trump and clinton and that type of stuff it's it's just stuff that's going on in our society right now but there's three of them uh there's, there's doctors psychologists and they do all kinds of uh, funny stuff on there so it's it's a pretty cool show if you get a chance to uh, give it a listen uh lilith 1218a that sounds like an apartment. It sure I don't does. know that that is the case or not. <laughs> <laughs> you get you have to be um, no. Let's see, what's that word? Uh, creative. Yeah, you yeah. have to be creative with your things now. Big Blue Marine, uh, Kim, nineteen ninety, or it's actually K N M nineteen ninety, and Brian DeWald. Thank you all of you guys for our um, nice little reviews this yeah, week. Yeah, we, we appreciate really it. appreciate that and, so much. And once again, these reviews mean everything. If you ha- have an iPhone. I would really appreciate if you could, you know, take the time if you haven't already to give us a review. Uh, those things, believe it or not, mean more than money in most cases because that's how you get found on iTunes. That's how you get more listeners. Everything is driven by how many reviews and how many people subscribe to the show, not how many listens you get starting off. Yeah, so. and I feel like it's a lot more friends we're getting, which is beyond awesome. Yep. Patreon. Uh, we actually uh, 
are working on our second bonus show. We put it up on Patreon and let the people who are supporters actually vote on the show. And on our bonus episode that we've got coming up, it's going to be a paranormal show. Mm-hmm. Uh, paranormal story, I should say. And then we're also doing a true crime story. And the votes are in. The true crime story is going to be on the legend of Cropsey, which if you don't know anything about Cropsey, it was uh, a legend that people used to scare their kids with about if you stay out too late or if you go over here, go over there, this guy's going to snatch you up. Mm. And uh, they used it basically, like I said, just as a story to scare their kids. But in reality, there was a guy snatching <laughs> snatching kids up. Well, unfortunately, that's way too much yeah. true to these days and, anyway. Uh, so, but it's, it was up in uh, um, Staten Island, New York. But it's a fascinating story. Some people have heard it. But not everybody has heard it. It's, it's a really cool story. So I was kind of glad that one won out of the four choices we had. And then on the paranormal story, I guarantee I have a story none of you have heard. And you will never hear me say that. But this time I'm, I'm going to bank on it. It's about a mysterious hole in Missouri. This goes back to the early 1900s. Uh, Tracy knows the story because we've uh, done some, some investigating on it already as far as the uh, background on it. But I can almost guarantee none of you have seen this. If you have, you know, have had it. But you're going to surprise me if anybody's heard this story before. And that's the one that went out. So that's going to be the two stories that we'll do on this bonus episode that comes out next Saturday. So we're looking forward to a big old hole. Yeah, a big old hole. <laughs> Missouri is known for its holes. Um, so new Patreon supporters last week. David Crabtree, Lenny Ramirez, Trent Flanagan, Patrick Wolf, Sue Story, G-Man. That's actually a guy named David. And then uh, Travis Tim, thank you guys for supporting the show financially wow, as well that's amazing. As, as listening. We also had a we uh, for everybody. We said that if you're a Patreon supporter, we're going to draw each month for a free T-shirt. Robert Burton won that. Congratulations, Robert! I've yeah, already talked yeah. to Robert. I'll be sending that out. And then, uh, like I said, we talked about the bonus episode. I've got a special shout out this week. Um, gentleman by the name of Nick Hall. He's a he's a longtime listener. He lives not too far from us, hour and a half or so. And he actually has his own paranormal society, uh, Kentucky State Paranormal Society. They do, uh, obviously, investigations and stuff like that all over the the state. But he also had a a brother um, that passed away in 2008. And his birthday is coming up the 18th of this month. So I wanted to say a heavenly birthday to, it's a little bit early, to Chris Hall, his brother. And he feels like that Chris is always around him, so he he, th- he thinks that by us doing this, that Chris is actually going to hear his birthdays. Well, come Shout on, out, Chris. So. We'll celebrate with you, babe. So, with that being said, let's jump into the story. Okay, let's jump. All right. Annalise Michelle. This is one of the most um, incredible cases of possession that you're ever going to hear about. So let's give some background like normal. Uh, she was born in September 21st, 1952, in Klingensburg, West Germany. Okay. She was the inspiration for the movie, uh, Exorcism of Emily, Emily Rose. Okay. So if anybody has seen that movie, they'll kind of see the direction that we're going in mm-hmm. with this. But this has a lot more uh, detail. Cause that, the movie was loosely based on it. There's, there's Some of the details are accurate, but most of it was Hollywood. You know how that goes. But this is the part. This part of Germany that they were that she was born in. It was mainly Catholic. Her family were de- devo- devout Catholics. I mean, they as as strict Catholics as you could possibly get. So much so that it was a longstanding tradition in their family to pretty much dedicate a kid to the church. As far as you know, they knew they were going to be a priest or they were going to be. Uh, something of the church going up it was just you know that's because the way they said so yeah pretty much because they said so and that's that's just the way it was going to be and it was like that way in their family for years and years and years so not just that generation but their generations before that now Annalise herself she had expressed an interest in wanting to become a teacher of the Catholic faith so that fell right in line so she was she was right there anyway now some people think that if that much religious fanaticism so to speak um, could have been what resulted in her possession. And it, we kind of talked about this before when we did the Gary Demon House episode. Remember we were talking about how the mother would give punishments and stuff based on religion? Yes, And I then did. you had the demons and stuff and the psychologists and stuff that were dealing with the kids. They felt like that possibly that played into thinking there was demons or what have you yeah. because there was so much 
religion mm -hmm. uh, being talked about. So same situation here. A lot of people feel that same way. And you got to know that, that Germans in this time, they took a completely different look at Catholicism. For example, in 1964, theologians, which is, you know, obviously your priests and nuns and, and all that of the Catholic faith, only 63% believed that there was a devil. Now these are these are the priests and nuns and stuff of the religion. Only sixty three percent believe that there there was a devil. Oh wow! Now, two years later, they did a poll of the entire public, just in general, no matter mm -hmm. you know Catholic, non Catholic. Only eleven percent believed that there was a Satan. That's crazy. Eleven percent. Catholics, non Catholics, they were all highly skeptical of Satan. Now, part of that reason is. The German society is very structured in rationality. So it's it's more about science over there during this time, especially, than it was strictly in, in religion. There, there, it's it, You'll find out later uh, that the religion was not something that was looked at, because you're looking at basically at this time is where communist, communism was coming in from Russia, and East and West Germany did their split. And during that time, you know, communists—they're—they're they're not into religion. They're just basically into the government, and everything is going to be explained away by natural sciences. Okay. So that's kind of where we're at. It's so—it was so bad there that Germany, even to this day, this is this is pretty common for our, our pretty new information. Germany only has three exorcists, and they work in secrecy. No kidding. Now you compare that to France, which is their neighbor. They have over 70 exorcists who openly practice the craft. So, I but, mean... But why are they secret, though? I mean... Because that's just not the way Germany does stuff. Just, just, just Germany's totally just yeah. There's just a structured... You know, like I said, they're, they're, everything's structured, and it's not all about religion over there. Mm -hmm. Not saying they don't have religion, but it's just, it's just not looked at the same way. So, obviously, that means it was pretty hard in the beginning to get anyone to even think the case with Annalise had anything to do with possession. Other than her religion upbringing, she was pretty much a normal childhood. I mean, her parents, Anna and Joseph, they were strict, very protective, but by all accounts, she was a happy little girl. She loved life, according to her mom, used to sing, you know, willingly all the time, and she loved the Catholic faith. You know, this all changed in September 1968, right around her 16th birthday. She passed out of school one day, and uh, that night, shortly after midnight, she woke up and was paralyzed. What? Yeah, she couldn't move, and she lost control of her bladder and everything. She wet the bed. She said that she had a hard time breathing, and her tongue was really sore. So this just happened out of nowhere then? Yeah, happened out of nowhere. Hmm. So as terrifying as that, you know, night was. Yeah, that's she, pretty scary. She moved on, and she put it behind her until about a year later. August 1969, she had another brief blackout, or blackout followed by paralysis. Same situation. So the next day, her mom took her to the doctor, who referred her to a neurologist, a Dr. Siegfried Lucy. He did an EEG, which was normal, and then the uh, doctor just kind of assumed it was epilepsy, mm -hmm. but he didn't prescribe any medicine. Okay, but wait. So when she had that first episode, did it just last for that short amount of time? Yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wow. So it's, a, it's important to note that um, she had a lengthy medical record. I mean, before five, she had mumps, measles, scarlet fever. Uh, she was such a delicate child that her kindergarten teacher talked to the um, her parents and convinced them to wait an extra year to send her to kindergarten. Oh, because she's always so sick? Yeah, because she was, she was sick and I guess just kind of, you know, behind the other kids. Oh, I gotcha. So they went ahead and kept her back a year. And right after, keep in mind, right after her visit to Dr. Lucy, she got a really sore throat. She had to have her tonsils out. <laughs> then she got pneumonia and a TB infection, and it was so bad that she had to stop going to school and she was confined to bed. Well, bless her heart. So she, she's been sickly most of her life, yeah. according you know, to all this. In February 1970, she uh, had not really gotten any better, so she was admitted to 
Middleburg Clinic who specialized in lung problems with young children. And keep in mind, she's like 17 at this point. Mm-hmm. So the parents were told that she had a heart and circulatory issues. June of 1970, she had a third uh, episode of the paralysis and blacking out. So then she visited another neurologist, a Dr. Uh, Van Haler. I almost said Van Halen. I know. I, and I thought you said inhaler. <laughs> so they did another EEG, but this time they found several abnormal patterns. She was given some anti-convulsion medicine, and then this was the beginning of the treatment they were giving her for epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So that's now they're pretty much sure it's epilepsy. And it kind of makes sense if you're, you know, yeah. thinking with the blackouts and mm-hmm. the, you know, mm-hmm. seizures or whatever they're doing. August 29th, she was allowed to finally come home. And during her time at the clinic, something strange started happening, though. She said that she started seeing um, something called Frotzen. Now, Frotzen is actually demonic or ghastly faces. Ew. So that's something she started seeing and talking about. She also said that when she saw these faces that she felt empty and depressed, like the devil was inside her, which is partly why we chose devil inside to well, start there the show you go. with. So, well, how, man, her life's just been crappy so far. There's a reason for everything. She reported a smell. Eek. <laughs> she said this smell was really familiar to burnt feces. Ooh. I don't know how she knows what burnt feces either. smells like. Ooh, that smell. <laughs> but Can you smell that smell? I'm not sure that's how that goes. Oh. Well, and anyway, it, that's so... So, go burnt, ahead. burnt feces is what she says it smells like. Well, she actually said burning fecal matter. It's the same thing. It's all shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, as her seizures got worse, she started seeing the demons more. And uh, she could hear their voices telling her that she was damned to hell. So now she's starting to hear voices, too. Well, great. That's just great. <laughs> no, no. So, didn't I say this was going to be serious starting off? This is serious. I mean, first you got to smell burning crap, and then you today, I mean, come on now. This chick needs a break somewhere. Maybe she, her dad just says something like, damn it, Dale, and she just, oh. talking to me. Oh, yeah. My dad used to say that all the time. I used to think my middle name was damn it. <laughs> Jerry, damn it. So, <laughs> ever, every one of those episodes she was having would disrupt her life but it still didn't disrupt it to the point where she couldn't function on a daily basis i mean she could still most of the time have a normal life this wasn't something that was 24 7 well i'm seriously but if it's not 24 7 i mean in her mind she's got to be thinking what the hell's going to happen next well i'm I'm sure she even had a boyfriend named peter that she spent most of her free time with peter what girl doesn't love peter peter are you playing with your phone? No. Uh-uh. Oh, it looks like you're playing with your phone. Stop. Don't be throwing me under the bus again. Anyways. Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys deserve the best show, and the best show is when she's paying full attention. I am so paying attention to you. I heard everything about poop and Peter. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, over the next two years. Uh, she went to several doctors. She had several different types of medicines to try to control the seizures and what they were calling now psychosis because they're convinced she's seeing stuff. So Dr. Lucy prescribed Dilantin. And Dilantin is an anti-convulsion drug that's usually for uh, grandma epilepsy. Really? Yes. I didn't know they used that for that. Mm-hmm. What did you think they used it for? I don't know. Is it, you said Dilantin. Is that the, that's not yeah, that's the same not, thing as That's Dilantin. not what they do to your pupils when you go to the mm. eye doctor. Oh, whatever. That's not the same as... Hey, Dilantin, my pupils. Oh, Lord have mercy. That's not Dilantin. Is that the same thing? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Okay. This is... I know we're in the uh, science and medicine category, Well, because I was just thinking my mom took that stuff. Oh. That's why I was thinking it was So you think now your mom was possessed? She could have been. Okay. There were times where... There was times, I thought, too. <laughs> Love you, Mom. No, it's... It's important to note that during this time that, you know, she had these illnesses, but at no point in time did anybody think she was possessed. Right. They just thought they were illnesses. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, they just, you know, the problem was they keep giving her all these medicines and nothing's working. 
So, you know, at, at what point in time do you got to start looking onto something else, which is what we're getting ready to get to. In April 1973, she starts hearing knocking in the middle of the night. Nobody else could hear the knocking, mm-hmm. just her. So they took her back to the doctor again. Just because she heard knocking? Well, she's hearing knocking that, I mean, nobody else is hearing, and it's waking her up in the middle of the night. I mean, I guess they're figuring what everything else going on. Who knows? Yeah, they're probably like, here we go. Let's go back to the emergency room. So they went to the doctor, and they found out that her hearing was fine. That's apparently what they checked. Now, during testing at school, I guess it was like, you know, finals or something like that, things got worse. She was starting to see the demons. She was hearing the, the voices more frequently. And not only was her mental problems, I guess we'll say for lack of better terms, starting to really show up, now she was starting to have problems speaking and trouble walking. So oh, she was man. struggling in all those God, different I feel areas. so bad for her. So she actually, Annalise described it like this. She said... It is a terror which goes through all of my limbs and settles there. It's a dread that makes you feel like you are right there in the middle of hell. You are totally, utterly desolate. That's kind of scary to think about. Yeah, that is scary. So one evening over dinner, her hands swelled to an enormous size. She cried out, I have black hands, my Savior forgive me. I have no clue what that means. I always heard big hands, big clock. Big clock. <laughs> 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 so as this happened, big clock. she said she saw demons, and she described them as having seven crowns and seven horns. I don't know. So now the thought was that, okay, maybe she's possessed and a lady by the name of Thea Hines is a member of the church she was the first to really suggest that and the fact that no medicines were working kind of made people think maybe this possession thing kind of makes sense why isn't why isn't medicine working because now we're looking at a couple years down the road from Mm -hmm. the time all this started and nothing everything's just getting worse in fall of 1973 Annalise met Father Alt now, she really liked talking to him because she said that it made her feel at peace. Mm-hmm. So she kind of had a friend in him. And Father Alt, Alt was initially skeptical uh, of, of the whole possession thing because he did not want to feed into someone, I guess, their thought process. that they, If you think you're possessed, then maybe you'll just lead down that direction. So he didn't want to feed into that. Yeah. He also didn't feel like somebody could be possessed if they were baptized, and she was baptized. So in his opinion as a uh, as a priest you you can't possess somebody who's baptized so i guess he was soon to find out different now some people believe that this was the point to where she became incapable of making her own decisions dr lucy a matter of fact um said that that's what he in his opinion as a doctor mm-hmm. she was not capable at this point of making her decision and she mm-hmm. needed her parents to make decisions for her keep in mind at this point now she's already over the age of 18 oh, yeah now once again most people were tending to believe that she was led down this whole possession path by how religious her family was now you got father alt involved and they just think with the religious beliefs and everything it just you know, it's almost like back in the Salem witch days, if something wouldn't go on right, it's got to be witchcraft. Yeah. And I guess they feel like with some somebody that was as religious as they were, something's going wrong like this, it's got to be the work of the devil. So her parents didn't even believe that at all? No, her parents were starting to believe. Are they at they, toward the end, I guess? Yeah, they were, they were definitely believing. Um, but, you know, they were the ones so religious, and people yeah. were like, you're so religious that you're not seeing the facts. You're just seeing mm-hmm. what you want to see based on religion. So that's where that went to. Now, at this point, she became very intolerant of religious uh, articles such as holy water, uh, crucifixes, rosaries, and that led right back into the possession thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if she can't stand these things, then she's got to be possessed. Uh, the mom said that she even had one instance where she stood in front of, the st- of a statue of the Virgin Mary and her eyes were completely black as she just stared at it. Oh. 
like the insides, everything just completely black. She may be the first instance of a black-eyed child. She could be. No, I was away. That's the, that happened a long time ago. That was in the nineties. Oh, this I was, was farther back no, than that. It was that. like ninety-four. On the well, first she one. could have been then. In May of nineteen seventy-five, her grandmother passed away, and her sister moved away to start a career. Now she was very close to her grandma. Yeah. She's close to her sister. That's two very traumatic things yeah, to, happen, to yeah. happen in somebody's life, especially when she's got all this other stuff going on. Mm. Uh, 1975, Father Arnold Renz became involved in the case. Now, he's an older guy, uh, been a priest for a long time, mm-hmm. done some exorcisms and stuff. He was amazed at her. I mean, she would stand there just like just standing up and it just be instantly thrown to the ground. And then he said in every instance, he's seen this several times, in every instance she would get up on her knees and then start reciting the Hail Mary. Oh, wow. She, she would eat spiders and flies and at one point even licked her own urine <gasps> up off the floor. That's gross. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't lick, I guess if I'm going to lick anybody's urine, it's probably mine, at least I know where it came from. But I probably wouldn't be licking anybody's urine. No. That's just wrong. How do you rate that? On a scale of 1 to 10, you're an 8. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Thanks. Hey. I should right. work for Hallmark. You should. <laughs> you could do that for people that uh, you get to pee for you when you go take your drug test at work. Yeah. Get them a card. On a scale of 1 to 10, you're an 8. There you go. Okay. Sorry. Here we are once again off path. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the burning fecal matter earlier. Now other people were starting to smell it when she was around. Oh, only when she was around? Yeah. They could smell it when she was around. And they said it wasn't like a body odor type thing or a bathing thing that she bathes regularly. She pooped her pants? No. It was just a smell. Um, She was thrown so much to the floor that her mother said she started sleeping on the floor. Well, no kidding. So, and she did that for like three years. (sighs) Now, at this point, everyone is now convinced that it's possession. The medicines don't work. Uh, the mother even said that Dr. Lucy was the one who first suggested that she reach out to a Jesuit, Jesuit priest. So that's kind of odd that a doctor would, yeah. would go to that point. But epilepsy at this time. Was ruled out probably. Well, it's, it wouldn't rule it out. It's just there, there wasn't a lot known about it. Now, they were ruling it out, but there wasn't a lot known about epilepsy. Well, I know. For, that's some scary stuff that stuff is. I mean, for example, MRIs weren't created until 1977. Uh-huh. So they had no way of doing a full picture of the brain back then when she was having her situations and but like now you would realize that 20 to 40 percent of all epilepsy doesn't respond to medicine so if she had one of those types of epilepsy it wouldn't be a big surprise that it didn't respond well, see, to medicine. i didn't know that either yeah, we know we know that now but they didn't know that back then as a matter of fact in the u.s there's over 400,000 people mm-hmm. in the u.s alone that have epilepsy that doesn't respond to medicine wow so I've seen that in action, and let me tell you, oh, that's me some, that is some scary stuff there. Father Alton, Father Renz, um, had her go to several doctors before they decided to, to try to do an exorcism on her. So they, I feel like that they actually tried everything they possibly could. She's on medicine. She's on different medicine. She's going to all these different doctors, and I guess this was a last-ditch effort. Well, I mean, the poor thing, she must have been just, like, over it already. I would have been. After all those years of all that? Right. So what you do then is you have to have like a trial um, of, I guess it's not really a real trial, like a judge and a gavel and stuff, but it's basically to determine if it warrants an exorcism so you can talk to the bishop or whoever's in charge. And so they, they go into, and a priest, he sits down beside her. She has a rosary on her neck. And during the process of them sitting there, he starts to pray to the Virgin Mary. As he does that, she goes ballistic. And she reaches up around her neck and grabs the rosary and she rips it off of her neck. Just rips it. Beads mm-hmm. going everywhere. Now, because of the fact that anytime they're trying to get an exorcism, all this stuff is put in writing. There's all kinds of notes. So there's, there's really good notes of what happened during this mm-hmm. situation. And that's where you find out that this rosary thing was a really big deal because anybody who is super religious, anybody who um, 
is part of the Catholic faith, especially the priests and stuff, they feel like that only the strongest of demons can destroy a uh, religious object. Oh. So for her to reach up and grab that and rip it off was like, that was just basically telling them, mm-hmm. oh, shit's about to get real. Mm. I don't know if they used those actual words or not. Well, that, that's I'm probably what they sure, was wanting to say I'm anyway. pretty sure that's what they meant. So the priest wrote to the bishop in Warsburg uh, to, to grant permission for the exorcism, which he did. The exorcism, here's a fun fact for you. The exorcism has an actual name. It's the Roman Ritual Act of 1614. That is the rite of exorcism. So you can write that down in case you ever need it. Just write that down. Uh, <laughs> That's my worst George Strait ever. I know it. Anyways, <laughs> August 3rd, 1975, the first exorcism takes place. Uh, Father Renz, being the older, he actually took the lead. And the funny thing is, even though I'm not supposed to say that anymore, the funny thing is, even though they were doing the exorcism thing, they kept her on her medication still. So they still were giving it a final attempt. They didn't just take her off her medicine and say, well, we're done. they were still trying everything they could to, to fix her. And once they started doing this, started this exorcism, the case escalated immediately. I mean, so much to the point to where demons came out at the very beginning and were announcing themselves, and this doesn't happen. Never does this happen early as an exorcism. And they did they weren't provoked or anything. I mean it wouldn't like who the heck are you? It just they just, they just, they, was they, like, they just look, hey, we're here for the party. Yeah, look bitch, I'm here. <laughs> this is this and this. And right. That's scary. So she starts they start speaking through her in these really kind of loud, deep, um guttural type voices. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna actually hear some of that here in a few minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because what happened was they recorded 42 exorcisms. Recorded oh. them. And that says a lot right there. They recorded 42 that's, exorcisms. Yeah, that's like a bunch. Yeah, and there was like 67 exorcisms totally done <sighs> on this. Some of these things lasted up to four hours. Would you like to be there for an exorcism? Yes. You would? Absolutely. Um, everybody was shocked that these demons were coming out so early. Uh, it's not typical for demons to just come out early. you got to coax them out, not just, you know, right from the beginning. They were, they were loud and proud. It was. They came out so early that it caught the priest off guard. They weren't prepared for it. They were. They had their whole setup of what they were going to do. <laughs> they were like, um, hello, we're not ready yet. Yeah. Always coming so, early to the party. Yeah, so these things, they start presenting themselves, and the priests were kind of lost because they couldn't Because they couldn't they, figure out where to go next. Yeah, and they couldn't believe what was coming out of, of her mouth oh, already. Oh, so they reported everything, uh, recorded all this stuff on tape. Annalise herself requested that the tapes be released so the world would know that there was a devil. Oh, wow. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to play the first tape. Now, there's all kinds of tapes. We're not playing all of them, but we're going to play yeah. just a bit so you can hear what's going on. After you listen to this one, I'm going to kind of tell you what, what they were saying because it's in German. Okay. So, unless you're in Germany, you're yeah. probably not going to get this. So. Okay. <laughs> That's messed up, ain't it? Holy crap. That just gave me the chills. Like, that's sick. Now, what she actually said there was, <laughs> Stop. Well, they might have missed it. Oh, my Lord. No, what she actually said, what that translated to. Oh, my gosh. Is she said, you must go with these shit cassette tapes and everything else to that asshole up in Warsburg, which, if you remember, that's where this that, yeah. bishop was, and she had no way of knowing oh, where this yeah. bishop was. She guessed that straight out of the blue. Oh, my god! So they were surprised by that. Then he must give it to the people so that he can reach the most people, 
understand. She said shit. She did say shit. Well, she said shite. No. That's one of the few words I actually understood in the whole thing. I don't even like that one bit. That was creepy as heck. Now, six demons presented themselves. Lucifer, Judas, Nero, Cain, Hitler, and Fleshman. Now, Fleshman is very unique because, yes, everybody knows who Lucifer is and Judas and Nero and Cain and all that. Fleshman was an actually 16th century priest back in the 1500s who was kicked out of the church for basically being a menace and and being a troublemaker. And the odd thing is, you know, there's no Internet back in the 70s. Uh, The priest said that she would have had no way of knowing who Fleshman was. No way at all. Mm. But that's who they, who she said. Now, I'm actually going to play you another part of the exorcism right now where she actually, and, and I'm not going to break down what this one says, but you can hear her saying the names and you can hear them talking because what ends up happening is they say, they ask her, is Hitler there? And she says, yes, I'm here. And they say, who? And she says, Hitler. And then you'll hear that because Hitler's Hitler. Um, but the funny thing was when she talked like Hitler, when she presented herself as Hitler, she actually talked, and, and she would start off with Sieg Heil. Sieg oh. Heil. And then she would speak with the exact correct uh, voice inflection of his Austrian accent. So it was, you know, whoever she was, she was, she was. So let's listen to that part real quick. Ich bin der Ich bin der So that's like I said, I know it was German, but they were asking, is Hitler in there? She she started off by saying Nero, and then she said Cain. So they were saying, so there's three of you, now there's four of you. Where's Hitler at? Was he lying? And then she basically said, no, I'm here. And he said, who's here? And then she ended with saying Hitler. Hmm. So that's how that goes. So the uh, lights will be on all night long tonight when we go to bed. <laughs> um, the demons would criticize everybody around them. They would criticize the church. Uh, Lucifer at one point said, you know, or whoever the demon saying it was Lucifer, said that uh, I want to conquer the earth for myself. Uh, then the exorcism experts think that probably the names that they were using were probably not, it really wasn't Hitler, it really wasn't mm-hmm. Fleischmann. They think that maybe these demons just picked names that would get the most effect. And being in Germany in the 70s, Hitler would be a big yeah. name considering everything that went on. Fleischmann was from, uh, I believe, from Germany. And then some of the other ones. So it's possible, according to, to experts in the field, that these demons could have just been random demons that were choosing those names just to try to cause the most damage from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Now, Annalise um, would speak in tongues. She would brutally attack her family. She bit the head off of a dead bird. We already discussed she was eating spiders and flies. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. Remember that story? I do. There wasn't a woman as well. Why wasn't she in a mental hospital? Well, I mean, this was the 70s. I guess they figured that she was possessed and not a patient for a mental hospital. But when you go start biting the heads off birds and stuff. Well, demonic people would do that too, probably. Well, I mean, I know, but. She claimed to see demons dancing around the priests in mockery as they were doing their rituals. She said invisible forces would throw her. Uh, into walls she was constantly covered in bruises and the the other thing that that really stood out she would binge eat i mean Mm -hmm. she would eat like crazy i mean large amounts of food at a time but she was losing weight and why don't that work for us well i'm not just not willing to go that far to lose a couple pounds (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, try it today, the new Lucifer diet. It'll work regulars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I tell you what, this is just... Speak in tongues, lose some tons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. I know, I just feel so bad for her. Her whole life, it's just almost like she was just put on this earth for that. I don't know, that sounds dumb, but... Well, nothing's it, been good about her life. It's kind of prophetic, but you'll find out in a little bit. Because as we know, you know nothing about the story. So you'll be surprised just like everybody else will. Okay. But you you may have hit on something. She started having, obviously, tables and chairs and stuff would move around the house. So now you're starting to get, like, poltergeist activity. Um, the question is, how is somebody who's so feeble and sick? She was 80 pounds when these exorcisms started. And for you people that uh, used a metric system, that's about 35 kilograms. That's right. I went the extra effort to, for the you. So you could <laughs> so you could feel like you're part of the story. I don't want you to feel left out. Well, aren't you nice? Yes. But how can somebody who was so feeble, so sick all the time, we've discussed how sick she was all the time. She was having trouble walking, having trouble talking, but she's able to cause so much damage to herself. Yeah, yeah. And she's able to be, she had to be restrained by several people she had to be chained to chairs at times during these exorcisms because she would get so violent now mm-hmm. how does somebody just you know be like that does she well i don't know i just feel like i'm asking a dumb question but does she realize she's being like that or does she not not know. realize that at all or I have no clue I have no clue but i am going to play one more tape for you mm-hmm. this will tell you I'm, to me this is the most telling of the tapes, uh, just because some of the sounds that come out of this one mm-hmm. is just really freaky. So that's why I want to play this one to you, and then we'll get back into the uh, the exorcisms and stuff. Hold on. With that won't keep you up at night. That'd keep me up during the daytime. <laughs> yeah. So these exorcisms, they went on for several months. And occasionally she would have stretches where she was, I guess, lucid to, for lack of better terms, where she could, you know, she was just herself. Be normal for yeah. a minute. Yeah. And during these times, she would spend the time with Peter. Mm-hmm. And one day, this is where everything kind of starts coming to a head. I guess I shouldn't have said Peter and Head probably in the same sentence. <laughs> this is where everything starts coming to a to the end. They're walking in the woods. It's just a casual walk. And she kind of goes like in a trance and just walks off from Peter. And Peter said, you know, she just she was she's left and was just wandering off. Now she later on said that she was walking side by side with the Virgin Mary. Now this is this gets really tricky, so pay close attention to this. She's walking side by side with the Virgin Mary and the Virgin Mary tells her that it pains her heart to know that so many souls are going to hell. Someone needs to do penance. And she said, Would you like to do penance? For the souls, so they do not enter hell. Oh. That's a question you don't really want to get asked, I'm thinking. She said that she was given three days by the Virgin Mary to make a decision. In this three day period, it was like she was not possessed, she was like back to her old self, she felt better. It's like the possession just went away for three days. Well, Annalise tells her family that she's agreed to accept the -hmm. Virgin Mary's offer. The family obviously was concerned. Um, They said that she told them that if she didn't accept, that the Virgin Mary was going to return on October 31st. And then she would take all the demons with her. So they thought, well, I mean, if you just tough it out, it'll all be over. But she said that she wanted to take the Virgin Mary up on her offer. So the priest 
they thought, well, everything's calm right now. This would be the part, a time to just jump on this. Yeah. So they start aggressively exercising again. When they prayed to the Virgin Mary, got to that part where they were praying to the Virgin Mary, a chilling cry came from Annalise. And I'm going to play that for you right here. Unless you speak German, which most of us don't, uh, you probably didn't catch that in in that part she said she's coming uh and to keep in mind they were praying to the virgin mary and right before or right after she said she's coming that's when you start hearing that deep bellow come out and it's so it's almost like you know hey the virgin mary's coming the priest then started asking the demons one by one to leave and the the demons agreed and left Annalise, in a regular voice, said, they're gone. I'm completely free now. I'm completely free. Oh, hallelujah. You would think. Oh, geez. That's when something happened that the exorcists say they have never seen before. About ten minutes later, during their closing prayers, all of the demons came back. Well, what a bunch of liars. I knew that was too easy. Well, they claim that as much as they wanted to leave, they couldn't leave. The demons couldn't leave? The demons couldn't leave. Why? Well, I I guess that's, I don't know, maybe it's a Virgin Mary thing. Maybe it's, you know, if the writing is on the wall as to what should happen, I don't know. But she was given the choice of three days to either basically sacrifice herself or wait till October. And, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but just judging by what she said, it would kind of make sense. Over the next several days, the demons would complain daily that they wanted to leave but were not allowed to. Annalise would complain that she was in great pain. Now, May 30th of 1976, Father Alt seeked help from Dr. Richard Roth. And he's a friend of uh, Father Alt's, and he's been involved in the case before. Mm-hmm. We just haven't talked about him, but he had been there trying to help. He asked him to prescribe some medicine for her pain, but the doctor said, I can't give medicine to a possessed person because I don't know how it would affect them. There is no injection for the devil. <laughs> so he refused to give her any kind of medicine. Father Alt then realized that he noticed that says she was having had stig, stigmata marks on her feet, mm-hmm. which later moved to her hands. And for those of you who do not know what stigmata marks are, stigmata is uh, it's in a lot of religions, especially Catholics, um, the marks of Jesus's crucifixion on his feet and on his hands from the nails. Some people actually have that phenomenon where they get the holes in their hand and the holes in their feet as if they were crucified. And that's what's called a stigmata. Oh, dang. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. So that's that's what a stigmata is. Well, she got this on her feet, and it later moved to her hands. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this isn't a stigmata episode, but I have actually studied a little bit on this. Some people, psychologists and stuff, think that people cause that to themselves by just in the, the mental thought process of making injuries to themselves without mm-hmm. physically doing it but just thinking on it so bad that they get the injuries on their hands and their feet. Well, how is so, that possible? I, well, I mean, I guess you, the mind can make you do anything. You can make yourself sick all the time if you... Oh, wow. But, I mean, I don't know. That poor thing. So, at this point, Annalise was becoming dangerously thin. We talked about she was 80 pounds when, when this all this started. Once again, 
she was binge eating. They said that she would sit down and eat large amount of food at each sitting, and then she would follow that by drinking two liters worth of juice. Mm-hmm. You hear that from the people outside the U.S.? I went with the uh, metric system again. Never, never forget how much we love our foreign listeners. But we always talk about pounds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's that's interesting. <laughs> so around the beginning of the year, she kept saying that in July something important was going to happen. July 1st, 1976, at the age of 23, Annalise passed away. Like, she didn't do something to herself. She just passed away. No, she passed away. Gosh, she's probably so relieved. 67 exorcisms, 42 of those on tape. At the time of death, she weighed 66 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Or 30 kilograms. Man cause of death was listed as starvation oh what a sad life and obviously that does not sound like that's the case because we just heard how she would binge eat and binge eat and binge eat that'll come into play a little bit later charges were filed this is where the case gets really interesting because this is the first case of possession to where charges were actually filed Germany filed charges against both of her parents and both priests, Father Otten and Father Renz, for negligence. What? They were saying that they were not, they should have been, instead of doing exorcisms, they should have been getting her medical help. Even though they were doing medical help, they never took her off her medicines. She, and, and keep in mind, and we didn't really touch on this, she refused medical help at the end. She refused it. I mean, she was probably just like, it's not going to work. Nothing's working. Well, I mean, I'd imagine she was probably trying to go through with her self-sacrifice. Well, that's true. From what she thought she was doing. Well, I don't know how in the world they can charge them with that. That's so crazy. Well, in 1978, they found all four of them guilty. What? They gave them six months in jail, but they suspended it and gave them a three-year uh, probation instead. See? The system was screwed up back then, too, just like it is today. There were several discrepancies at the trial, oddly enough. The possession tapes were presented by the defense, but they were never taken serious or the validity of them was constantly challenged. Hmm. So it's almost like... Yeah, we don't believe anything. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. Now, the expert for the prosecution, he actually made several mistakes. He was... It was chronological mistakes about when this happened, when that happened. He was completely wrong on a bunch of facts. He was wrong on uh, her medical history and her analysis. He was wrong on all that stuff. The big thing was, what was the number one thing that they kept saying medically was wrong with her? Epilepsy. Well. I mean, that's what it was said. They were treating her for epilepsy. Well, I mean, I know they were, but they... Could they really prove it? That's what it was. No, because they did an autopsy. Her brain was found to be healthy and no evidence of seizures. Nothing that could have caused. No, there was no part that could have showed epilepsy. Not even microscopic, according to the doctor. That's amazing. So she had zero epilepsy. There were no bed sores or ulcers on her skin that you typically have with somebody who starves to death. Yeah. She had none of that. But that's Mm -hmm. what they listed as starvation. They didn't list that she had dilated, extra dilated pupils. None of this stuff was mentioned in the trial. Mm -hmm. It never came up. So I guess the question would be, why? Why? Here's, here may be your answer. I don't know for a fact, but this could be the answer. Possible corruption. This was like we discussed earlier. This was the time where communism was coming in. The Soviets were there. Um, the state was constantly pushing. It was an atheist-type state. So uh, atheism was promoted. They didn't want to hear anything about God. They didn't want to hear anything about organized religion. So it was believed by a lot of people that the trial was pretty much engineered to discredit the Catholic Church, make them look like idiots. Mm-hmm. And the judge openly mocked the priest in court. 
Aww. about, you know, like I remember they said there was one time where he asked Father Alt, he said, well, I'm assuming you're not married, correct? You know, because I guess yeah. the priest's not getting married. But mm-hmm. little things like that. Now, some people would say, oh, in these cases of possession, these cases like that, the family just does it to get rich or they're just... Right. The family never profited from anything in this case. Never. Not, they didn't do any book deals. Uh, they just tried to let it go away. Uh, the movie came out, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which was loosely based on her. They didn't get a penny from that movie. So this was not anything that was done to try to get attention or to try not. to... They, I mean, they just want their daughter to be better. And So let's talk about Annalise. So there's a lot of people that are under the firm belief that she actually sacrificed herself for the sins of others. And there are people that look at her as a saint. They go to the cemetery to today, even still, and they leave notes of thank yous and Mm -hmm. all kinds of little gifts for her, and that's the way she's looked at. Then you've got a bunch of Catholics out there that um, believes that she goes against everything they really believe in and that she was basically just a woman that was filled with demons, and they would just as soon forget that she even existed. You got the skeptics out there who believe that it's all mental illness. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't epilepsy, but it was mental illness, and it was treated as a possession. When in reality, there's no such thing as possession. It's just people have mental issues, and they just need to be dealt with in a different way. Yeah. The you got to go on with this because as many people that visit her thinking they're saints, there are Satan worshippers from all over Europe that make pilgrimages to her grave because she was the girl that had all these demons. She's the girl that had Lucifer and Hitler and stuff. So Satan worshipers, they look at her almost like an idol. Mm-hmm. As to, oh my God, this lady had all these demons in her and what have you. So they make pilgrimages there. In June 6, 2013, and this date is really important, her house was burned down. The house that she grew up in mm-hmm. was burned down. The police didn't catch who it was, but they're almost positive it was Satanist. Really? Reason being is June 6, 2013, if you take June, which is the sixth month, the sixth day, and 2013, if you add them together, mm. is six. Mm. So that date would be 666. And I think that that's what has to do with it. Um, there had been a fire before uh, because when the, when she died, the parents made a chapel like dedicated to her on the property. That was set on fire before, a few years before that. Um, and they found what they call a grave light or a grave lantern or something that people would take to the mm-hmm. Cemetery. uh, cemeteries and stuff. Mm-hmm. They found one of those on the premises, which would have been odd yeah. to find yeah. but the cemetery is right up the road so it's possible somebody could have went from point A to point B and just left it mm-hmm. um, but that's why they think that and in the second case it was actually their carpenter workshop um, that the house was burned up now there's a picture you can find if you look hard enough online it, of the fire of the house It's the, there's a standing right in front of the house and you can see the fire up in the top right hand uh, like a balcony window you can see like a figure standing up there that everybody swears is Annalise. Oh gosh. Kind of overlooking. Oh my gosh, that lady. Well, she sure had an interesting life for sure. Nothing boring about it, but just so devastating at the same time. I I mean it's a, it's an incredible story, full yeah. of details, a lot of twists and turns. Uh, it's one I've been wanting to do for a long time. So we almost, I was really close to saving that for our one-year anniversary show. Oh, really? Yeah, but I've decided, I've got another, another surprise that we'll oh, share cool. when it gets Good. closer for that. Hmm. Uh, wanted to... So we should thank our lucky stars that our lives aren't that crazy, huh? Yep. Even yep. though you think I'm possessed a lot of times. That's PMS. That's not possessed. There's a difference. <laughs> There's a lot of the same symptoms. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, they should have tried throwing some idol down her throat <laughs> instead of Delanton. Oh my gosh. I, I agree with you there, 100%. I think, uh, I thought this was a really cool story. I hope you guys enjoyed it yeah. as much as the rest of us. Uh, I'll point out again, once again, for the um, patrons, you have an awesome episode getting ready to come out. That'll be out next Saturday. And uh, I also wanted to uh, point out. 
that we still have t-shirts for sale. We had some people buy some of those this week. Um, snatch those up. It's on our website. You can also sign up for Patreon there. doesn't cost you a penny for the rest of this month. They charge you the $1, $3, $5, or $10 at the uh, end of the, end, or at the first of the next month. But you're going to get all the bonus shows already. So as soon as you sign up, there's going to be three bonus shows sitting there waiting for you and then another one hitting next Saturday. So you're going to get four shows within the next week. Um, that's just for contributing three, five, or ten bucks. We do appreciate you guys so much. I would like to say an extra thank you to Julie um, for my beautiful bracelet that I got for my birthday. I absolutely love it. I just can't believe that you guys are so awesome, so sweet to us. And uh, it means a lot to me, and it's pretty cool. It came from all the way from England, and I don't know. It's just so cool. So. Julie Gilder. She doesn't. She doesn't get enough praise. She does not. And and I'm going to tell you this. And this isn't. Don't take this as a knock against anybody else. I just want to show some extra praise to her. Since since we have started this show, well, since this year, in since this year, the last six months, Julie has bought two T-shirts. She sent a birthday gift to Tracy. She's made two very big donations to the show. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean. She's such a sweetheart. I mean, it's just, I, I can't say enough. And like I said, that's not discrediting anybody else oh my out gosh, there. No, absolutely. But I mean, love every one of you. I mean, it's just, it, she's just such a sweetheart. And she said so many nice things to us about how we've helped her through tough spots. And, and like I said, we never really know what's going on in everybody's life. And everybody has their own little battles uh, that they're fighting. So we're not immune to that ourselves. And, uh, but I think, I think if we can help any one of you guys through a tough spot if it's just you know we had a young lady send us a a letter and said that she was split up with her boyfriend and and she was really down to dumps and she'd put our show on and it would make her happy and we we've got no way of ever thinking we would have that kind of impact on anybody's life and it, it amazes me that we do and we appreciate you guys more than you ever know as much as we have an impact on any of your lives you have that kind of impact on our lives absolutely i mean I don't know. I'm just amazed by you guys. It's so very thoughtful that you think of us that way. And, you know, like I said, we love each and every one of you guys and just feel so blessed and honored to have you all as new friends and everything. And I just wish I could give you all a great big old hug, like personally. But just know we do appreciate you. And um, thank you for listening to our show. And I hope you guys keep listening to our show. And speaking of big hugs, we are because uh, it's getting close enough now where we need to start talking about it. The very end of September 30th, uh, September 29th, 30th, and October 1st, we will be in Lexington, Kentucky at Scarefest. And mm-hmm. if you guys are anywhere near the area, come down. It's a hell of a time. We go all the time, even before we were, had an opportunity to actually yeah, set up a, and be part yeah, of it. How, even before we had a podcast. I mean, we but went. we're talking all kinds of majors. Kane's going to be there. Uh, Freddy Krueger himself, Robert England is going to be there. You name it. If they're big time in, in the horror movies or the ghost hunter shows or all that, most of them people are going to be there. And it's really cool as hell to be able to hobnob with them and sit and talk to them. And, What's that one guy's name again? Uh, Sid Haig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Sid's going to be there this year or not, but he's usually there, uh, which is uh, uh, Cap- Captain Spaulding from the uh, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. movies. But he is one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. He is so laid back oh, and gosh, unlike yeah. his character. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty awesome. And it's funny to sit there because we were paying for a picture, and he's got his little phone thing with the with the little square on it, you know, to be able to swipe cards. And he was having trouble with it. So it's it's so funny to sit there and see Captain Spaulding having trouble taking your credit card. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it's a right. lot of fun. It's really a lot of fun. But, guys, we're going to let you get, get out of here. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. And sorry that we didn't get to have uh, uh, Bishop Long on. I promise you we'll, we'll get him on here. Uh, we definitely understand when you got – you know, an emergency like that, you can't mm-hmm. always upkeep. And that's the first one we've had really fall through on us. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's way more important, and, and pray for that family and everything like that. So, you know, it's what you have to do. Thank you guys so much. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye.